Welcome to Footnotes of History, the podcast that sifts through the detritus of the past so that you don't have to get your hands dirty. With you as always are myself, Daniel Nesbitt, and the Chief Surveyor of Historical Sewage, Tim Philfast. <laughs> <The> Chief? <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> Chief Surveyor of Historical Sewage. Yep. That's always like... episode appropriate. Yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's just uh, historical sewage. Yeah, we're going to be talking quite a lot of crap in this episode. But hey, as, as we always do. Yeah. yeah. This time um, yeah, this time this time we actually have a point. Yeah. Um, so today's episode is on the Great Stink, which is uh, 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 one summer in London um, in the 1858, yeah, um, when, well, essentially, um, the it, got, te- it got too bad to live near the Thames because as it was described by Dickens, just crossing over on a bridge was heart and stomach distending, <laughs> heart, heart and stomach distending nature. So yeah, I think that yeah. paints a horrific picture. And the mind. reason being, well, because the because, Thames was about basically an open sewer. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone thought throwing bodies, excrement, and industrial waste into a into a river was going to do nothing back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about where you yeah, first got fired up for this episode? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's going to be a classic episode actually. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, uh, my my inst- well, sort of in- semi inspiration for the episode came from um, I saw a speech by Lord Adonis, who was the I think he's a Labour peer, possibly crossbench peer, mm-hmm. but um, he he's also I think he, he was very until recently. Um, he bizarrely flounced out in disgust, basically at Brexit or something. But um, he's a grandee, as he as yeah, he a la- Labour, yeah, new Labour grandee. He he was the chair. He was the chair of the Infrastructure Commission, mm-hmm. um, and he gave a speech at the Institution of Civil Engineers in twenty seventeen, June twenty seventeen. Uh, named Reclaiming the Victorian Spirit, um, which it just sort of it, it, it propagated some of the the stories of this particular incident in history, which I just don't think so they don't see the whole the whole picture essentially. Mm. It's like oh you know the um, London was a mess, then we fixed it. That's the story, but yeah. actually why was London a mess? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think I'm more interested in that. Like, yeah. What was the build up to this particular? Why then? It's not like you know we sort of suddenly woke woke up on eighteen in 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 some of eighteen fifty eight and thought, oh wow, London like London is a tip. Kind of yeah, thing. we need to do something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully this episode will tell people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Indeed. So, yeah. should we? Yeah. So, so talking of the Thames, should we move yeah. on to a bit of a description? Yeah. So, um, I think the, one of the best people to speak on this is my one of my favorite authors, Charles Dickens, and his descriptions of London. I've got a couple of them here. Uh, one from my favourite book, Little Dorrit, where he describes the sort of close surroundings of the Thames and the Thames itself. So he said, miles of close wells and pits of houses where the inhabitants gasped for air stretched far away towards every point of the compass. Through the heart of the town, a deadly sewer ebbed and flowed in place of a fine, fresh river. It's so it's, it, it, it automatically you're thinking of this dark kind of force that's going through the middle of the Thames, just full of all kind of horrific stuff. And then... Yeah. Looking at a chapter, I mean, it, it, it seems like it feels like a version of hell. It does. You think about yeah. it, like literally, like just, 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 just hot with horror. Yeah. And if, you, if you if you hold that sort of image in your mind in an episode in a bit of a chapter of David Copperfield called The River, and mm. again talking about the Thames, he kind of elaborates on that exact that exact thing. So he paints just a horrific scene of you know of just decomposition of weeds yeah. growing up, broken down houses along the shoreline, abandoned rotting ships just left to basically decay. Yeah. Um, and then factories spewing. You know, smoke like smoke and horror yeah. like into the air, but also all their waste into the river as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And then kind of like all culminates Dickens and the Thames into the into Our Mutual Friend, which is one of his last his last completed book. Yeah. Where the Thames is almost like a, a character of its own. It's all throughout the book. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. It's a dark, you know, almost yeah. dark sort of force. And yeah. it, it's a scene of murder, 
It's a scene of bodies being washed up, crying, yeah. decay, all this type well, of stuff. Well, I suppose with so much crap in there, yeah. you wouldn't notice if a body washed yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And he regularly did, I yeah. think. Also, yeah. and, and then also in the illustrations that accompany um, Our Mutual Friend, yeah. there's like scenes on the mud flats, which were the banks of the Thames. Yeah. It, it yeah. just look, it's in pelting rain, and then bodies being discovered there. Yeah. Yeah. And just sort of like darkness really is the overwhelming yeah. thing yeah. Of, this, of, the, of the Thames in, this, in, our, yeah. in Our Mutual Friend. So I think if from those three great extracts, we see the Thames not being sort of like the, you know, not nice, but kind of generally not malign force that we see now in yeah. London. It's actually a horrifying. Well, I think I think it's place. sort of neutral at the moment. Yeah, I mean? neutral, yeah, it's sort of like you, I mean, it's quite nice to get a boat on the Thames yeah. and walk across the bridge. I mean, you wouldn't go for a swim. Yeah, you wouldn't go for a swim or drink from it. But yeah. like back in the day, back in the eighteen yeah. fifties when Dickens was around, to avoid. you wouldn't want to go near it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so quite a lot of um, some of these punch cartoons you've got from mm, the time. Yeah, I think yeah, we might exactly put some up on the. On the, yeah, the, the website, because they, they just definitely show you what people thought of it at the time as well. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah the, episode, the episode page for this episode is going to be uh, footnoteshistory.com slash 10 for everyone's information. Um, and yeah, I'll put a few of those cartoons on. One of my favorite, one, one, another one that I saw was, um, it was interesting, you said the Thames was personified as this almost, you know... Malevolent. Well, malevolent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, some of these cartoons have... It's like Father Thames or something. Mm. It's like um, yeah, old Father Thames like the River God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. It's just like a disaster. Yeah, it's just horrific. Anyway, um, and and then also the the uh, Silent Highwayman, which is obviously just death, death. death. <laughs> <laughs> Canoeing down the Thames, <laughs> disaster situation. But um, yeah, it gives you it gives you a sort of um, mm-hmm. punchy picture of the uh, time. Um, but we, I feel like we should we should. Um, I mean, obviously, eighteen fifty eight was a trigger moment for the reform for the. For the action for action yeah. about this problem, um, I think we should talk about the context of this, uh, the build yeah. up towards yeah, yeah. this. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Just give us a kind of brief picture of the time why yeah. people were starting to become a little bit more yeah socially conscious. Well, it? I think especially in terms of when when it comes to the people in charge, the power, mm. the powers that be, the government, for example, um, there is a bit of a change around this period. The um, you have um, uh. There's a series. There is a series of sort of events, essentially, which you can sort of see as potentially having an effect here. There's the Great Reform Act, which means that, to a certain extent, people are, or politicians at least, are more aware of their constituents. Um, I mean, not you know, not as much as it would be now, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the Great Reform Act, although you know, although so named, uh, barely did anything to extend the franchise beyond um, you know a small percentage of the population. It certainly wasn't universal suffrage. Yeah. Um, then you have. Uh, the you know, the Irish potato famine, which Lord John Russell was you know roundly criticised for not doing anything about, mm-hmm. um, although uh, in total fairness to him, uh, not sure exactly what it was that he was supposed to do. 18, 1848, uh, the year of revolution, obviously around Europe, discontent generally everywhere. Mm-hmm. Chartists, yeah. um, it, you know, in Britain obviously we didn't have a revolution per se, but the Chartists were out on Kensington yeah. Common and doing it, drills and stuff. I think you also find intimidating like, during people. the. <laughs> Being a menace, but yeah, yeah, it's um, menace, yeah. Also, in this time, you kind of you start seeing more of a an informed, almost middle class developing. Yes, intelligent, yeah, yeah. intelligentsia, which can sort of bridge the gap between the people who have the power in terms yeah. of the the aristocracy and the old landowners who are dominant yeah. politics, yeah. and the the downtrodden sort of masses who don't really have any sort of say. Yeah. So, like yeah. in eighteen forty eight during Europe, I think the, one of the key things was the fusing of the people who could articulate mm. discontent and the people who had discontent. Definitely, I think that's what yeah. we see. Also, to a lesser extent here, in terms of talking about social issues, yeah. you know, people have issues. They didn't really have an outlet to start talking about them until this time, almost, where yeah, people absolutely. were regularly talking about these spreading ideas through journals and newspapers and that type of thing. And yeah. Then, you know, 
people would be able to see what the what the issues were like. Yeah, I think it's also you could also see it in the, in the politics of the period as well. Mm. The um, when we when we talk about the the build up to 1858, you have like I said, Lord John Russell. He's a Whig prime minister, and then the Whig, the Whigs and the um, there's a sort of a transformation that occurs. The the Whigs are no longer a political party. They're re reconfigured, and the last the last Whig prime minister is Palmerston mm-hmm. up to eighteen fifty eight, and then that's you know the Whigs are no longer they're no longer a, a party. It becomes the Liberal Party yeah. again. Pal- Palmerston, funnily enough, bridging the gap between yeah. the two. Yeah. Um. So it, you know it, it's a different type of different type of party. It's a concert. Yeah. You know, the Obviously, the, the Tories changed into the Conservatives around the time of Peel's first premiership, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was just you know it's different makeup of people. You know, the Tories yeah. changed from aristocrats, purely aristocrats, into sort of you know aristocrat, maybe industrialists mm-hmm. and landowners, you know, other other types people of built up their money. To yeah, yeah new money, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. 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 and then and then the and then, then the, so so the split is no longer industrialists versus landowners. It becomes more, I think, more more of a. I mean, yeah, the, the liberals are very much more social reformers, mm-hmm. put it that way. And yeah. conservatives, slightly less so. I mean, they're, they're pro-free, you know, the Peel, the Peel conservatives are obviously pro-free trade, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, the, 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 the new liberal party is much more, you know, we're ready to reform. Mm-hmm. And as you pointed out in Paris, a similar concept is emerging as the, um, as government is attempting to sort of overhaul the yeah. streets and make them yeah, better for the Yeah, I think that's a good yeah. lead in. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about... Um, what the Thames was like. We talked a little bit about how the times were making people more willing to actually reform. Yeah. And now I think we should look at the the issues that they were trying to reform. So, Absolutely. So yeah. in you know, in London and also Paris at the time, there were cities that had developed, you know, quite quickly from, you know, sort of not medieval towns, but, you know, places that were crushed together. Yeah. Still, yeah. But still, you know, organically, still had organically yeah, developed, yeah, but yeah. In, a, in, a, in, in increasingly more and more people were living there. I think it was yeah. you know, up to 3 million people in London yeah. were there. Yeah. But the town, you know, the city could only really support, you know, comfortably about a million people yeah. in terms of actually living quarters and living space. So you can, yeah, many many people crushed together. In- I, I think what I think as well, like there is there is a point to be made that the the authorities basically couldn't cope uh, yeah. with the influx of new people. Yeah. Well, it was kind of they had to almost reconfigure their mindset. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. the key things here in this section to talk about are um, cesspits, which uh, probably <laughs> yes. in most people's minds fix a, like, is a horrific image yeah. and miasma theory which I'll come into in yeah. a second but I think do you want to talk a little bit about what a cesspit was to well with? yeah exactly a cesspit is essentially a um, you know it's a tank under your house I suppose that collects all your waste mm. this is, I mean it's not, not, under, it's not it was under a not under like a, almost like a district it was, okay yeah, so it's collective yeah, yeah. So okay. I think there were like there were, I think something like 200,000 in London so um, um, more than so it was like a, yeah, a communal sort of container for all the household yeah. waste that, that makes actually that makes more sense because I was trying to understand what the because originally, obviously, we know that the metropolitan commissioners of oh, sorry, the, sorry, the um, the pre-metropolitan commissioners of the sewers, the the, the municipal sort of commissioners of sewers, mm-hmm. sort of the confusion there, but about sort of six or seven, seven or eight of these sort of basically borough commissioners of sewers, yeah. and I, I was trying to understand what their purpose was, and they obviously they deal with the communal mm-hmm. cesspits. Yeah. So yeah, I think the the key thing with a cesspit is yeah, it's not going anywhere unless people literally take it out. Yeah. So yeah. you have to make sure you that you are sending people around to empty them on yeah. a regular basis. Yeah. And um, they were quite dangerous in some ways. I'm presuming they're big enough as well. I mean, yeah. Like, well, I think, that, yeah, that I think this is thing. the other thing that... It's a, it basically is an infrastructure. It is basically, a, you know, an infrastructure planning issue, which... Yeah. I think um, this is also yeah. going back to the population growth in London mm. at the time, 1 million to 3 million around this area at this time. Yeah. 
the cesspits, I think, were probably configured for a lesser population than they were then having yeah, to deal with. Would be, yeah. So you know, automatically having this massive, huge growth in population, you're having a system of keeping waste which isn't particularly up to up to it. Um, it's kind of creaking at the seams a bit at yeah. this time because you need to empty it regularly. Yeah. And yeah. but there are more people using it at that yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and also with cesspits, it, on the one hand, if you can empty them quickly yeah. or regularly, they were liable to catch fire because of the methane. There's some, some horrific consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And also the... And the, leak, and leak as well, and leak into yeah. leak yeah. as well into the water supply yeah. in some cases. Yeah. But I think they also, the fear of cesspits in some ways was concentrated around what is, was known and is known as miasma theory. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the idea that um, various diseases such as cholera, typhoid, typhus, that type of thing, were spread, not, were spread by polluted or unclean air. Mm. So if you've got this cesspit basically sat there, in your mind polluting the yeah, air, yeah. you think that's how diseases are spread and you're concerned about it. So it's important to point out in Victorian times, germs hadn't, weren't really a, th a thing that people yeah, were aware yeah. of. So people like Florence Nightingale, who we now think of as the great reformer, yeah. the first modern nurse, was you know, a big believer in miasma theory because they just didn't know about germs. So she always wanted fresh, clean air coming into the hospitals and wards that she worked on. Um, I think this is something key we need to think about when we think about this problem, if they were trying to solve the issue of polluted air. Yeah, they were trying to solve the wrong problem, yeah. basically, yeah. And, um, but yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about who... Yeah, who so yeah, well, who, what, who was who's, trying to solve the problem? problem? Yeah, I mean, it is very much a sort of case of... Um, there were, like I said before, there were sort of eight or nine municipal, uh, basically sort of local government sort of type things mm -hmm. who were sort of in charge of dealing with sewer systems across London... Yeah, um, and they would have their own kind of regions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, well, yeah. Um, I think um, you, you, um, London was built up of small towns which melded yeah, together so, over yeah. time. Uh, yeah, mostly during the period leading up to this point. Mm. Um, yeah, places like Tower Hamlets, uh, Poplar and Blackwall, and Hoban and Finsbury. That kind of these, these areas had their own municipal sewer people mm. who would deal with the deal with the, deal with the problem. But they they had this. Um, is it something that you see quite often with uh, with sort of governments? Is they have a sort of almost uh, slightly acrimonious um, relationship with their neighbours, and they refuse to work together very effectively. Mm. But they're, they're, that's one of the problems. But there's a second problem, which is they don't have, unlike a company would have, they don't have the permission, say, or the the private capital to invest in a new system. Uh, uh, to to solve the you know the ongoing problems of the infrastructure falling apart basically yeah. and all, you know, also worth mentioning at this point all the all the infrastructure is basically made of wood mm -hmm. um, until until you know really the eighteen fifties yeah um, which which you know just just for comparison water companies had started transforming their wooden pipes into iron pipes as early as eighteen oh two so I mean that gives you an impression of how far behind yeah. they are so we've got you know, eight different commissions yeah were not. Nine, so nine different commissions. Yeah, nine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but eight of which are then combined into one yeah. super commission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which, 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 yeah. Again, as you say, it, to keep up with the formation of London as a, as a yeah. unitary body, the Metropolitan Bar uh, Metropolitan Commission of Sewers is formed. Yeah, eighteen forty eight. Um, in eighteen forty eight, um, which which basically abolishes most of the you know, smaller bodies. Yeah. yeah, the City of London kept its own. Because yeah, it's just as it wants to do. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it, it is always a sort of a slightly uh, um, unique. Concept, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think the the commission sort of made obviously the commission's main well, concern they said, they, yeah, was they, yeah. was miasma theory. So yeah. they were concerned about the polluting influence of um, cesspits in many ways and yeah. how to deal with it. And their yeah. sort of idea was to close all the cesspits or as many as possible, and then mandate that household waste should go into the sewers of London and thence 
washed into the Thames, yeah. basically. And they, you know, they, people who oversaw the commission, made with their main issue was making sure that the sewers were regularly flushed into yeah. the Thames to make sure that there would be this no buildup of miasma. Yeah. Yeah. There would be no buildup of unclean air, which unfortunately meant more waste going into the Thames, more waste going into the water supply as well. It's quite it's, it's quite a strange concept. They obviously didn't see the Thames as part of mm. the system yeah. somehow. It was like, you know, once it's in the river, it's not a problem. It's not a problem to get to the sea. Yeah. yeah. But, but, obviously, but obviously it is a problem because, yeah. they, well, apart from the obvious one, which obviously it's all in the river, which not only are people using, you know, going along in boats and mm. fishing and that kind of stuff, um, but uh, what, some of the water companies were still taking their inlets from... Places in the yeah. in the river, and I think this is a key. Yeah. More waste into I think this is key to the spread of cholera. Yeah. In the lead up to this time, yeah. so I think you've got a few points to say on cholera, but I think this is it's key to understanding why people I think came to view there being a problem in London. Because yeah. yeah. From I think eighteen thirties onwards, there were sort of sporadic outbreaks of cholera, which killed off tens of thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Sorry, I was going to say yeah, but there were there were, there were sort of two things. The one the one the one obvious one which everyone paid attention to because you couldn't really avoid it, was the smell, mm. which if you believed in miasma theory... It was terrifying. Yeah, it was enough. horrific. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, oh, we're all going to die because we can all smell this horrific um, perfume, should we say. And um, the um, and then the, the other one, obviously, is that people are literally dying in their tens yeah. of thousands. But, but you know, again, that, that's an, it's an interesting one because people were dying in their ten, you know, thousands previously. Mm. And it's almost like it took the smell and the belief that the smell was responsible yeah. for the politicians to act. And it's quite interesting, actually, how much of a grip miasma theory retained on people yeah. in the run-up to it. So, I mean, in um, the cholera outbreaks, a doctor called John Snow mm. um, investigated the London, um, basically investigated why cholera was spreading in London. Yeah. And he concentrated in an area of Soho called Broad Street, where he removed the handle of the water pump, the cholera yeah. water pump, yeah. so people couldn't get their water there from there. Yeah. And he observed that cholera didn't spread as fast in that area. So he's, he concluded that it was actually something to do with the water, not yeah, to do with yeah. the smell or the, the air, yeah. which um, he was basically ridiculed for it. Um, and he'd be like, no, 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 um, that's not an issue. Yeah. And so, you know, unfortunately, people were then still concentrated on the idea of germs spreading, disease, spreading, disease, spreading, the, yeah, yeah, uh, they, smell spreading, smell spreading, yeah, yeah. germs. Um, do you, do you know, I don't suppose you know uh, where the water came from for the, uh, for the Broad Street. I don't, problem. unfortunately. That's a shame, yeah. Because that would be really interesting, because presumably, um, if it was the sort of like, you know, this sort of, which I assume it is, it's like a sort of municipal sort of public mm-hmm. pump system. Yeah, well, it was, that's what, that's what he... Um, but if it was, you know, if it was supplied by, by some um, dodgy, <laughs> some dodgy Cow company. Well, well, they are, well, they, they, yeah, funny yeah. enough, there are, there are some of these. There's the, the oh, here we go, here we go. So the Southern Convoxal Water, Waterworks Company, uh, yeah, was, was you know, just a disaster. Right? Yeah, yeah, just um, taking in water from the Thames to supply these pumps. I mean, there were various other companies as it's well. Kind of a, new, like, like the New River Company, I think, basically was they were like, oh, we're not even going to bother with the Thames anymore. We're going to take it in over, over, like you know, some reservoir over in Hampton or somewhere, mm-hmm. um, rather than yeah, they, they were trying to trying to trying to fix the problem. Yeah. But some of them obviously just weren't bothering. It's just like, oh, you know, this is so it's kind of a vicious circle. Exactly, exactly. Wait yeah. the river, then the water company took water out of the river yeah. and gave it back to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's horrific, isn't yeah. it? So, uh, but, but, but then it's always like all oh, the politicians are blaming the water companies. It's mm. like, well, the Thames is like literally a sewer. So, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah. Sorry. Do you, should we talk about, so we've talked a little bit about the background to it. We've had what the river was like. We know why people were a bit more concerned about it than usual. Yeah. We know. Who was meant to be overseeing it yeah. at the time? Yeah, should, and do you want to? Should we talk a little bit about why this all came to a head in, in 1858? 1858? Why? Yeah, you know, 
what 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 was what was the sudden what was the sudden concern? Yeah, so like, do you want to? Should we talk about toilets, for instance? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, fun topic. Yeah, exactly, everyone's exactly, delighted exactly, to yeah. hear about. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was it was as we said with the increasing number of people living there, combined with the new sort of gradually people were incorporating a new toilet, flushing mm. toilet into their uh, into their um, their homes, yeah. which obviously connected to a sewer system, which connected to the river, um, which. You know, obviously, made all this problem much worse because mm-hmm. people were trying to get rid of their waste completely rather than some just sort of burying it in their garden or something. <laughs> yes, you know, you know, which you know, you could say yes or you know, you see the downsides of that, but at least it's not going in the river. I don't yeah, know, whatever. But um, yeah, um, and um, and I think also yeah. Yeah, so you had you had toilets be basically increasing the issue. Yeah, linked to the growth in population. Yeah, but the other side of things you also had, as we heard from Dickens, these factories that are on the sides of the backs yeah. of the Thames. Yeah. So they were putting industrial waste in there. So there was stuff like ammonia, carbolic acid, and cyanide going yeah. into the river as well. <laughs> um, yeah. And then also you had because there was so much waste going into it, these sort of blockages were occurring in the Thames, and it was silting, oh, wow. it was silting up. So yeah. someone did a study of, of the time. Basically, if you threw a barrel into the Thames, the Thames yeah. off London Bridge. It would take somewhere between three and eleven weeks to travel down to the sea, oh, wow. because it took you kept getting caught in these blockages and these silt deposits and yeah. stuff. So, you know, it was one thing that was going in through, but it wasn't. There was so much of it in there; it wasn't actually being able to wash, yeah, wash it away. Through, yeah, yeah. Um, so this issue is building up and building up and building yeah. up, and then in sort of July, yeah, eighteen fifty. It's the high summer. It's, it's, it's classic. That's the other this thing. Classic. It's a very it's summer. Hot, it's a very very hot summer. Yeah. There's very little rain, so the oh, really? yeah. so the the um, so level of the Thames drops anyway. Oh, really? And then, if you interestingly pointed out in um, Household Words, which is the journal, the weekly journal that Dickens kind of oversaw, mm. um, in at the time, July eighteen fifty eight, yeah. the editorial that stated that when the level of the Thames dropped, yeah, there was almost as much sewage as water in in there. That's just so isn't it? yeah. it's not going anywhere. There's so much of it in there. Uh, yeah, there's literally no way of getting it, and the smells were just like guess to a point where. It's intolerable. It's just okay. you can't even function. Yeah. I think people like basically just wouldn't go outside. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's easier. To... It's really interesting that yeah, you know, newspapers started calling around the great, great yeah, at the time stink, and yeah. producing these cartoons that we spoke yeah. about earlier. I think it, it affected all levels of society. So on yeah. one hand, Victoria and Albert, uh, yeah. Queen, Queen Victoria, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, tried to go on a pleasure cruise down the Thames. <laughs> But they were forced back because of the smell. They couldn't, they couldn't get down there. Why would you even bother? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. on, on the other hand, you had yeah, um, you had boatmen who made their living on yeah. pay, taking people down the Thames, but yeah, because yeah. it was so horrible, no one wanted to go down. Yeah. So they lost money and they lost life. Yeah, they lost their lives yeah, at the yeah. same time. Um, and then uh, it was just like insane. You had these sort of like grand plans that um, decide people were thinking about moving the law courts to Oxford because the smell was yeah, so bad, yeah, yeah. moving Parliament to St Albans, I think, yeah. um, because they couldn't cope. <laughs> yeah. um, and then also, I think one of the sort of like um, points where people coalesced around was Michael Faraday, the, the scientist. Right. Um, yeah. He went for a boat, he went for a boat trip down the Thames, so he wasn't, wasn't overly concerned at the time. And then he wrote to the Times uh, right. a letter called Observations on the Filth of the Thames, yeah. where he'd apparently he'd thrown white pieces of uh, paper into the Thames as he was going down it. And watched them basically usually swallowed and turned brown by the right, uh, by things. Right. So people saw yeah. this and it came like a bit of a rallying point to it. Yeah. Um, but I think also one of the key moments in in this, yeah, in terms of having an issue and then turning it, looking at solutions, was the fact that MPs and lords started becoming yeah, directly, directly affected by, directly yeah. Affected yeah, exactly. by the issue. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, well, I think it was like they were trying to they were trying to go about their everyday business, but. It came, they, they were basically banned from the committee rooms in the library, which 
if any, if you don't know Parliament, they overlook the tax yeah, yeah, yeah. because the smell is so bad. No, to go in there. Yeah, the Chancellor like in a stoop, like a stoop, and right. trying to trying to cover his mouth and nose as he like yeah. as he as he wanders from uh, from room to room, and they they try to soak the <laughs> try to soak the curtains in chloride of lime to stop yeah. the smell. That didn't work, so they realised that actually instead of just ignoring it because they. In the first instance, they will ignore it yeah. because it's too expensive. We yeah. don't really want the hassle. Yeah, yeah. And then they decided, actually, we need to do something about it. Yeah. So they passed the Metropolis Local Management Amendment Bill, which is <laughs> a very catchy title. Right. And they passed it in 18 days, which no one knows anything about how legislation gets passed. That's an incredibly quick amount of time yeah. um, compared to the months and months it can take. Yeah. Um, and this basically placed responsibility on solving the crisis as it had become yeah. onto... Metropolitan Board of Works, which succeeded as you said, the Commission. Yeah. Um, well, the Commission was basically useless, and they made the yeah. problem worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Board of Works, obviously, they they had the. I think their vision was much. Well, wasn't it? Was it not Joseph? You're going to come on to Joseph. Yeah, we're going to come to him in a second. But they they had a, like kind of secret weapon, which we'll come on to in a second. Right. right. Um, and again, the other thing that they actually did was allow them to borrow up to three million pounds. Right. Right. Um, to fund the crisis, which is the other main yeah. issue that the. People have overseen the series had in that they couldn't really do anything because they didn't have any powers to get yeah. any money. Um, well, I mean, they could do something. They could just not. They could just like you know, say they can't deal with it and mm-hmm. not. I mean, it, well, I mean, what more? Yeah, Karen, sorry. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason for it to be. I mean, the water wasn't managed by the by the municipal municipal commissioners. So why why was why was the sewer had to be? Do you know what I mean, like, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, that right. they were dealing with the problem they had been presented. Yeah, I guess they, so. They yeah, couldn't do anything yeah. They didn't have any money. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, so, I realise yeah, yeah. that. But you know, why, why, you know, why set up a system that's doomed to fail? But yeah, yeah. Go back to eighteen fifty and last. Well, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so basically, when Parliament was affected, yeah, they very quickly moved into action. They allowed the board to borrow money. They gave them a. They said to them specifically, "You are solving the crisis." Yeah. And they said one other key thing was that the sewage outflows had to be outside the boundaries of London, which seems like common sense, but it taken them this long to actually decide on it. Um, and then, should we talk about the man who kind of... Well, Joseph Bazzica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The man absolutely. who was yeah. responsible for this this plan. Absolutely, yeah. Well, um, I, I just thought you probably know more about this than me. Than me. Oh, yeah. It was his grand vision to create a series of... Uh, well, I think it was a sort of sloping, uh, yeah. gravity-led, essentially, system, which um, moved the sewage... Out to the east and further out towards the estuary, mm-hmm. rather than uh, rather than dumping it in the river. Yeah, and he was, so, so he sort of is still dumping it in the river, but a but bit further, further away. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> he is he's kind of like the right man in the right place because yeah, he was yeah. a he had been a railway planner engineer okay, in town yeah. of Britain. He'd worked for um, the commission, the commission and the Metropolitan Board of Works in sort of more junior roles. Yeah, and he had presented a very similar plan to them. Yeah. a few years before, but they rejected it for that because they didn't have enough money. And they didn't have yeah, to actually go and ask for the money. Yeah, yeah. Um, he'd actually he'd been promoted to chief engineer just two years beforehand. Right. And his promotion had been backed by people like Isambard Kingdom Brunel and John Stevenson, right. who designed the rocket. Yeah, uh, yeah. steam engine. Awesome. Um, so you know, he had quite a, quite a few high profile supporters. Yeah, and his plans were basically to build around eighty miles of brick sewers underground yeah. and a thousand miles of street level sewers right. um, yeah. so it, was, it literally was revolutionising how the sewage actually worked and where yeah. it went in London yeah. um, and as you said the main aim was to basically push the problem further down yeah. and get it away <laughs> from the population yeah. centres yeah. um, I think it, also the, one of the key things that I, you, know, you have to admire about him is that when he was designing the pipes he, he took he made a calculation on how much 
people would need to use, like right. the dams needed to be right, 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 right. for the, the most dense area of London. And right. then he doubled it. Right. So that he, so needs, room he was recognising yeah, yeah, that he yeah. needed room to grow. Yeah. And to the, to the point that actually, if he hadn't done it, they're estimating that the sewage system would have broken down again in the 1960s when uh, tower yeah. blocks were introduced. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but it didn't because he basically... He does in this extra yeah. room, but that I think I think you know where Lord Adonis is correct is that 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 kind of uh, that kind of um, design vision I suppose does actually, um, yeah you know, I I can see where he's coming from in, mm. in in admiring that kind of design. Yeah, you have to admire. Him. Yeah, I think also you Usually, can't just make a sweeping statement about. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you could. I mean, you, you could you could argue that in some ways, I mean, maybe maybe there is a certain point where, I mean, it, it depends on how expensive it is. Do you know what I mean? I mean how, we don't we, we can't really. We know it's about two hundred eighty-two thousand. Sorry, two hundred eighty-two million in today's money. Yeah. they borrowed three million at the time. They did. It went up to six point five million in the end. Oh wow! Okay, so, yeah. so it was double. It was actually double that. Yeah. So, okay, which is which which uh, is roughly about uh, about twenty-five pounds per person in the population at the time. Mm-hmm. Which I don't. I mean, I don't know what the um. Is, yeah, this is something we can't really. Judge. I'm yeah, but I think in the end of the day, it was a huge amount of money. Yeah, for a, a vast project. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it was. You know, also the the amazing thing to point out is they were trying to solve a completely different, yeah, like the wrong problem in many yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. But it still worked. So yeah, yeah. it basically eradicated cholera in many ways in London, yeah. and it cut the levels of typhoid and typhoid, yeah. uh, typhus and typhoid, yeah. quite significantly. Yeah. Even though they weren't trying to. Um, concentrate on the German element. Yeah, so yeah. we're still trying to concentrate on miasma theory. Yeah, yeah. But it still worked amazingly well. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose, I suppose that, is, that, is, that is a testament to sort of how, I mean, how miasma theory came about, isn't it? Because yeah. Miasma, I, mean, it's, it, I mean, it's not, I mean, obviously it's not precisely correct, but you can see where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. If something smells bad, it's probably not a good idea to mm-hmm. start, you know, like hanging around Making near it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. I think <laughs> one of the other elements, like not only did it sort of revolutionise the health in London yeah. and, you know, how London functioned. It also gave us, in many ways, the London we know today. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. Terms. In terms of architecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of architecture, I think it's like a key point to, to kind of raise. And that if you if you imagine um, the banks of the Thames, so Victoria, he, he created three embankments around the Thames yeah. to basically cover the pipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you have, and this was done by reclaiming bits of the river. Yeah, I was going to say, so, so does that, Sort of mean that the river was much wider. Than I think. I think yeah. it was a combination of it was wider, and also you had these big mud flats and banks. Yeah. That you yeah. know maybe the the water didn't cover the whole stretch, but yeah. there was still these kind of like because the water comes up quite high, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. When it's a when it's a high tide, you can definitely so, see it. So but. yeah. So so at low tide, it must have been. Um, well, you can just imagine what would be on the mud flats. But yeah, anyway, so, yeah. yeah. It was literally anything. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, so you had these three embankments, which one was the Victoria Embankment, which is on the North Bank, and it yeah. runs kind of from Parliament to. Blackfriars Bridge, yeah. and along that you have a series of like gardens that go in front of places yeah. like government departments and the Savoy Hotel and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And you have know, a very nice place to walk through. Yeah. And then on the on you know on the south bank you have the Albert Embankment, which yeah has you know on on that part of it has some of the sort of more iconic buildings in London, such as MI6. Yeah. Anyone who's watched any of the James Bond films will know. Yeah, we'll know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. St. Yeah. Thomas's Hospital as well. Neither, neither of yeah. those buildings would exist if we didn't have the embankment, yeah, which goes yeah. back to, you know, Baselgate. And yeah, that. yeah. And also, you know, weirdly enough, the pumping station that he built yeah. have become in some ways kind of iconic. So yeah. you have the cross. Well, they're, well, they're very distinctive now, aren't they? they because are. they are. Because they are. They're obviously still, I mean, they obviously did the job. Well, uh, I don't actually know when they stopped functioning, but well, presumably they stayed functioning as part of the service. They did, yeah. Quite a long but, time. but also kind of like elaborately decorated. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like they're so yeah. distinctive because they're a Victorian style architecture, mm-hmm. while obviously 
you know, like I say, if it lasts up until the 1960s until now even, yeah. then um, you know, architecture obviously doesn't look like that anymore. No, it, it doesn't look like that. Like, and then I think you know, the Crossness yeah. Pumping Station, which is in Bexley, so right. southeast London, yeah. is actually a tourist attraction in itself now. Mm. So it's got a museum yeah. dedicated to this very subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And Abbey Mills um, Pumping Station, which is in Stratford, Stratford yeah, yeah. Um, it's... Um, it's, you know, it's right next to the modern pumping station, right, really enough, yeah, so that's yeah. 200, 200 metres away, but that's actually not open to the public or anything, but it's used as a as a uh, film location, so it's that's actually Arkham Asylum in, in Batman Begins. No, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. There's, there's, another, there's another Abbey Mills in um, Tooting, Tooting or Morden. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about that, but oh. just, I don't know if you knew anything about that. I didn't know. No, okay. <laughs> but, but, you know, if it's called Abbey, I mean, uh, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Is there any... Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say on the on the Great Stink? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there's so there's so there is so much to say about the Great oh. Stink. It's just it, I find it amazing how people managed to. My my main the main thing that I was amazed about was that despite the fact that this the river became increasingly horrific, mm. um, the water and yeah water companies still managed to come up with ideas of solving the problem of water purity, of yeah. water water you know cleanliness basically. Um, uh, yeah, so so you know, you know, creating reservoirs away from the Thames and this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, and obviously there are always a couple of rogues who carry on doing it just because they can. Um, and then and then obviously some of the cartoons from the period really bring to life the the horror State basically of, of the, the situation. Yeah, it's just it, it's actually unimaginable. Yeah. I think it's also working worth pointing out that this didn't just happen in London. Yeah. So uh, again, going back to Dickens's journal, Household Words, you have. Um, like Peter talking about the state of rivers in Manchester and Birmingham yeah. as well. And they before London, you know, places like Leicester had actually worked out if you don't put sewage into the into the <laughs> river, it will get better. Yeah. Um, so it's like almost like an issue that the you know all industrial towns had to deal with to yeah. some extent. But yeah. I think London is a special case because it was just so bad. Yeah. And like, was well, it's interesting because I, I was I was also thinking. I mean, this isn't really strictly speaking related, but well, it, well, it is related, but it's not strictly speaking on this topic. But yeah. I was I was reading earlier. Because obviously you were talking about cesspits and mm. you know comparison to sewers and that kind of thing, and what what the concept of the cesspit was. I mean, if you if you um, basically there's this uh, Indian there's okay, long story short, there's a, a city in India that's basically been built by a couple of private corporations, right. and they don't have any sewers, but they do have cesspits, mm-hmm. and they're regularly emptied, and there's nothing actually. Apparently, there's, you know, there's nothing specifically wrong with this. It's yeah, just, yeah well, I think that's the thing. It's that's just an interesting comparison. I mean, I'm not, I don't, you know, I don't want to get political about it, but yeah, yeah, obviously, there is an interesting comparison here. It's like, it is possible to use cesspits in a good way. It's just obviously at the time, they thought, actually, uh, we need a, a grand new system. Yeah, well, I think I think it was linked to the population growth yeah. that kind of like caught them off guard. Yeah. But I think they were probably, you know, there is clear evidence that they would work yeah. as long as the key thing is making sure they're emptied regularly yeah. and taken somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But, but, but that's what I mean. Like the, 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 the authority was inflect. I feel that like the authority was sort of inflexible or yeah. just incapable of dealing with the problem. Um, I mean, like, like I was talking about this city, they, uh, 25 years ago it didn't even exist and now it's like this major city which is completely, has literally no sewers. Yeah. Um, and you know it's completely fine. Mm-hmm. Well, mostly. I mean, obviously it's um, it's not exactly New York, but um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just an interesting comparison. Mm. But yeah, so so that there might be something worth looking at if you're interested in this kind of thing. I think I think you know just just planning inf- yeah, urban infrastructure in general is, is a really interesting concept because it's, you've got to plan a system for lots of people, which you know obviously grows over time, yeah, almost exponentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Do you have any? 
further reading before you? Well, I mean, no, I, uh, other than those few things, no, not yeah. really, not, not yeah. especially. I have two. I've got one one hot summer by Rosemary Ashton, which talks about the summer of oh, 1858, yeah, of and kind of yeah. like gives you a sort of glimpse into it. And then also Thames Sacred River by Peter Ackroyd, which is um, history of the Thames, but also covers quite in horrific detail yeah. the Great Stink itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you have a quick last, like one sentence of conclusion to the episode, what people should take away from it? Um, in I a non-political well, way? I, yeah, well, no, it's difficult, it's difficult not to be, because it is very much yeah. a, you know, a, a planning problem. But um, uh, I suppose uh, uh, try and get the whole picture. Yeah. Is my, my final comment. Mm-hmm. When somebody presents you with a historical legend, try to understand mm-hmm. it completely. Before For sure. Indeed, indeed, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I felt I thought like we did that quite well in New York draft riots. Yeah, yeah. And indeed, some which is an episode you should check out. Indeed, funnestofhistory dot com slash two. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, do you have any Well, no, I think I think you've covered it pretty well there. That making sure you look at the whole picture. But also, yeah. I think it's quite interesting that a kind of horrific situation has given us such a looks, you know, a different London. A yeah, absolutely. Now in the embankments yeah. and given us. Also, I feel like it's given us a hero that people not maybe will really recognise in Basilgate. No, yeah, yeah. Not, not every hero is kind of like leading battles or you know, leading yeah. armies or you know, passing massive legislation, but you know, doing sort of yeah, quite intricate design intricate, Yeah, exactly, intricate design work. He was overseeing so much of the detail as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And without him, the project probably would never have been done yeah, in the, in yeah. the way that it was. We'd still be living with it now. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> the cesspits will be over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, so uh, I can hear the music fading in as we speak, so maybe that's really interesting. Thanks for listening to Footnotes of History. For more episodes, visit footnotesofhistory.com and subscribe. Or, if you want to suggest an episode to us, email us on episodes at footnotesofhistory.com. You can also follow us on social media at FOH Podcast, Twitter, and we're also on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks for listening.